Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I'm your host. Very excited to be here another week talking about that longest self-imposed period of unemployment most of you are going to experience in your lifetime. Could be 10 years, could be 20. Heck, it might even be 30 or 40. It is what we call retirement. For those of you that are new to the show, you can go to my website, Retirement Risk Advisors. Here you'll find the tools, the resources, the education, all those things you need to get yourself safely through retirement. Today, we are going to be talking about one of the biggest risk-facing retirees. It's something that I have a lot of passion for because, unfortunately, we've got so few of you out there that are prepared for this event. In fact, uh, you may be surprised to know that more of you believe in Bigfoot than have prepared for what we'll be talking about today. We're going to be talking about long-term care. I brought in as our guest today, Alicia Barnett. She's the Senior Vice President in the Care Planning Division at Fig Marketing. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So Alicia, do you ever heard that statistic that there's more people that believe in Bigfoot than have planned for their long-term care event? <laughs> I haven't, but it's really true. Uh, 70% of people over the age of 65 actually need care. The problem is everybody thinks they're in the 30%. Yeah. And what we've seen is I think about 6%. I don't know the statistics. You're more in this space than I am. We've seen about 6% of people actually have some type of plan for long-term care. And 11% of America believes in Bigfoot. So 100% chance they're never going to see him, but they believe him. And yet here we've got this high chance of ending up in a long-term care event and, and we're not prepared. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. It's definitely a problem. And in my opinion, the biggest mistake that somebody makes in their retirement plan. And I agree with that. We talk about it all the time when we look at the cost of the event, the chance of it happening, realize that it's something people are not addressing. And so hopefully today in the podcast, we can get some more information out there. Let's talk a little bit about you, though. Long-term care is not uh, something everyone chooses to do with their career. How did you get into this area? Goodness, it's kind of a, well, it's not a long story, but uh, I've actually been in the long-term care business for 25 years. My father introduced me to the insurance industry and I said I would never do it. And of course, here I am 25 years later and I absolutely have a passion for it. I've seen what long-term care does to families and I just love helping people. So believe it or not, I actually like talking about long-term care. Well, I'm glad you do because it's something that's been very hard to find people who have a passion for it and understand it enough to do even things like podcasts and webinars. As you look at this from a planning standpoint, uh, again, we use various statistics in our webinars. Uh, we use a 35% chance you're going to have a long-term care event because it usually happens at life expectancy. Once you get there, 70% chance and, and half of us are going to be gone by that point. What are you seeing from your side of what an impact this is having on people? Well, again, the Bigfoot scenario, I mean, you're, you're not wrong there. What I've heard, and I think a lot of people have heard, is that 70% of people over the age of 65 need care. Here's an even bigger statistic that is alarming, is one in five need five or more years of care. So, for example, the average Alzheimer's claim is running 10.2 years now. The problem is we're staying alive a lot longer. When we stay alive a lot longer, the chances of us getting frail are pretty likely. Therefore, our chances going up that we're going to need some type of long-term care services is pretty great. And it's only going to get worse. I think from the statistics I've seen, if you look at it from a government side, 78 to 79 is average life expectancy. You and I know it's higher than that if we've made it to retirement. But as we look at 2060, uh, they're projecting 86 
as the average uh, life expectancy age uh, from the government side. So got to believe at that point, many of us that are alive will be living into our 90s at that point. And again, just because we live longer doesn't mean that our, our bodies are in the condition to be able to handle all that. Absolutely. Also, one thing to keep in mind, too, is the average age of claim right now is age 82. So if we're going to live to 90 and 95, that's an even bigger problem. Absolutely. So you've been in the industry long enough to see the transition. I'm not sure when they first really started offering long-term care policies. I know they've been around, I guess, in theory for a long, long time, but they became pretty streamlined at some point. What have you seen in the industry from the time you joined to what you're seeing right now? Absolutely. It's been a big change. Actually, the landscape has, has really changed. It's transitioned from traditional long-term care insurance, and I'll talk about that in a second, into what we call asset-based long-term care. And, and there's a lot of other solutions, but the two of the main ways to mitigate against the long-term care risk. So when I started, again, I was a baby in the industry. I, I started when I was 10, just in case y'all are trying to figure out my age. <laughs> it was traditional long-term care only. So you could buy, uh, basically, I use the analogy owning versus renting. So traditional is renting. It's not bad. It's the cheapest way to buy the most amount of long-term care. But with the traditional policies, there aren't guarantees. So if you live and need long-term care, it leverages fantastic. If you die and don't ever need long-term care, there's no death benefit and there's no walk away. Well, one of the problems we've seen in the industry is interest rates were super high when they developed these products over 40 years ago, and the persistency was high, meaning no one canceled their plans. Everyone was keeping these, and they priced it based off a of 10% persistency, whereas we were seeing about 98% of people kept their long-term care policies. So it's kind of a perfect storm, and then in the last 5, 10, 15 years, we're seeing these ginormous rate increases, right? So if you have a traditional plan, or if you've heard about traditional long-term care, you've seen anywhere from 15% to 250% rate increases on that book of business. So about 15 years ago, 20 years ago almost, we started transitioning into these alternate products. And I like to, again, use the analogy renting versus owning. So these asset-based long-term care plans are written on life insurance or annuity chassis, and they have more guarantees. You're not going to see rate increases. You can pay for them in a variety of different ways. And guess what? If you don't ever use it, you don't lose it. So that some of those common objections you have with traditional aren't there anymore. So there's a lot of alternate ways of paying and mitigating against that long-term care risk. This is such great news as you look at it. I know this morning, uh, Alicia and I were talking a little bit about it before the show. I met with uh, one of my clients that's in their late 80s, and they still have a policy that they're having to pay on or they're going to lose. And it went up over 20% this last year. They're projecting it to go up over 20% the next two or three years. And that's being partially subsidized by the AICPA. It was a policy the AICPA had put in place with a carrier that no longer offers the policies, which I, I know that's happened uh, consistently across the board. Board, but but it is a real problem. Alicia, what age should we start addressing this? We, we've talked about when it kind of happens, but when should we start addressing it from a you know, trying to solve the problem point? Absolutely. So I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but you've never been younger and healthier than you are now. So honestly, the younger you are, the better. When I started, the average age of a policyholder was 75. We have seen that transition and now we're seeing, I would say the average age of 58, 60, though we still see a lot written in the 60s and 70s and 80s, 
Again, the younger you are, the healthier you are, the more cost effective it is. You don't have as many health issues. So I would encourage you to start shopping when you're young. Even if you, uh, Dave, don't have enough money to get a fully comprehensive plan, you can start off with a small policy and layer on so you have your insurability, you can lock in those rates. And if you decide to purchase more, then sure, purchase more later and layer those policies together. And I know that's what we did. Uh, we ended up buying a policy years ago, paid for it up front. So it was all paid off. But then obviously with inflation, it was not inflation adjusted. So it's getting eroded. But then we've added you know, asset-based uh, life insurance policies, annuities, these other things, as we've gotten the extra money to be able to do so. So that's so great advice as you look at what you're saying there. Alicia, how old can we be to buy a traditional policy? What, what's the cutoff age? So on traditional mode, Most of the carries, by the way, there aren't very many of them, Dave. There are about three that the independent producer can offer their clients. And we are seeing most of those cap at about age 80 years old. And it's very expensive once you get to around 80. Yeah, I would expect so. I I would expect you're almost paying dollar for dollar. I know there was a period of time in my life where you end up buying a life insurance policy for a 93-year-old. You can imagine now it was the right thing to do. It wasn't us trying to uh, you know, sell a 93-year-old life insurance policy as part of an overall estate plan that he needed it. But, but again, very, very expensive to buy something like that at that point. And I've got to assume the same with long-term care. Talk a little bit, uh, you know, before we get into the asset-based side of this, maybe some uh, tax benefits. Again, if someone is going to go the traditional route, you know, we've got people that got those policies out there. What does it look like from a tax benefits standpoint? Absolutely. So many years ago, most of the policies, again, they kind of made them all the same so that the language is the same. They are all going to be tax qualified long-term care plans that you buy moving forward. And some of the older plans are non-tax qualified, but it's very rare. So in the last 40 years, they have labeled these and filed these with the Department of Insurance as tax qualified. So what does that mean to you? It means your benefits are going to come out tax-free. So if you have a plan and it's $5,000 a month and you need home care or assisted living or nursing home, that $5,000 is not going to be taxable. And I'm not a CPA, so you do need to consult your CPA. However, there are also some deductibilities. So depending on your age, depending on your adjusted gross income, your premiums can be deducted, you know, if you're if you itemize up to that age-based limit. So there are some tax benefits on that side, but most importantly, it's a more tax-efficient way to pay for care because those benefits are all tax-free. Yeah, I am a CPA, but but I'm not your CPA, so I, I confer with uh, what she says. But uh, again, recommend you get your own advice as you go through the process there. More than 50% of CPAs will run out of money in retirement, and this number is projected to grow because of risks like inflation, increased longevity, and rising healthcare costs. Retirement Risks Advisors has the perfect solution to help CPAs make their money last as long as they do. Learn more by signing up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement. In this webinar, we share the top 10 financial risks CPAs will face in retirement and what can be done to reduce or eliminate each risk. To get started, visit retirementriskadvisors.com slash safe. Let's talk a little bit about underwriting too. So again, I'd like to talk about traditional underwriting now, and then we can get into the asset-based side. But if someone's just getting a traditional policy, uh, are there things that could keep them from getting that policy? What does that look like? Absolutely. So health buys you know, long-term care policies. As I mentioned before, the younger you are, the healthier you are, the more likely you can get the coverage. As we 
gracefully grow older, you begin having health ailments. So things that could keep you potentially from getting a policy, for example, be insulin dependent diabetes, heart disease, maybe a cancer history. They're typically going to be more conservative on their underwriting. And it's a process. You'll have to order medical records. You'll have to do a paramed, which they'll come in your home and you'll have to you know, have an exam. So they're very thorough and in, in, in making sure that you are healthy enough to buy these policies. Because if you're one foot you know, into a nursing home, you can't get these policies. Not to mention, you might have several small little health issues and all of them added together is going to knock you out. So again, That's why it's very important to try to get these the younger and healthier you are now. And are you seeing the underwriting being more strict as fewer and fewer companies stay in the market? Absolutely. When I started 25 years ago, there were carriers. By the way, they're no longer around. If you could fog a mirror, they would take you. So that's one of the problems, too, is they're paying these claims. These carriers have to commit. You know, if you pay your premiums, they have to commit to paying those claims, And when you take unhealthy people, again, that perfect storm with the low interest rate environment we're in now, uh, the unhealthy people they gave coverage to, and people actually using these, it created an issue. So now carriers are much more conservative. It's a lot harder to get these traditional plans that ever used to be. What are your thoughts on an employer-based plan? I know I've seen a few of those come across my desk where someone's getting offered a plan with very limited, if any, underwriting. Thoughts on those? Typically, those are going to be for your larger companies. And by all means, if you have health issues and you can get that plan, get it. Because some coverage is better than no coverage at all. There aren't a lot of group plans available. There are, on the traditional side, there's two available. And most of them are not going to be guaranteed issue. They've gone to simplified issue, again, because of the issues we had with underwriting and we'll call it their previous lives. So we're running out of of multi-life companies or guaranteed issue long-term care plans. There are a handful on the life insurance side that you can get if you work for a larger company. And if you're in good health and there's an employer plan, is it still going to save you potentially some money? Or, hey, I'm in good health and and because it's a group plan that the unhealthy are mixed into here, I'd be far better off to just go search it out uh, from a private company. I think it depends on the carrier, but most of the time you're going to get a discount. Typically, you can choose on the the multi-life plans, you can choose the benefits. So you can get better benefits than someone maybe who can't afford because they're rated or because maybe they're unhealthy. You can get better benefits and get the discount. So I would recommend at least checking out the employer plan, but also shopping it with someone like Dave who can do that for you to see if there's something better out there. It might be better. It might not. That's really, you know, the rule of thumb is to shop it around. Yeah. And really good advice for any products we're looking at that uh, we want to shop it around, make sure we're getting the best benefits. Now we pride ourselves on going the extra mile to ensure that the products we're going to recommend meet the criteria. They have the benefits you need and that the value is there for what you're getting. But uh, again, it takes time. We're on the back and doing a lot of that for those that we work with. Alicia, let's talk a little bit now about the asset-based model. Maybe explain that, what products are out there currently that people can look at. Absolutely. So the asset-based long-term care, again, what I love about it, it's owning your contract versus renting it. There are a variety of different ways you can pay for those, which is another reason why I like them. From a cash flow perspective, want to pay for it over time, like traditional, you can. So you can stroke a check every year. You can have it drafted from your bank account. The difference is those premiums are guaranteed and they're written on life insurance chassis. So again, if you live and need long-term care, you have that benefit. 
But if you wake up an angel and you never need care, there's a death benefit associated with that. Again, owning versus renting. And then, of course, there's exit strategies as well. So on that, you know, those differences is they're guaranteed. You can still pay for it over time, but you have all of the benefits that you have on a life insurance that you don't have on a traditional plan. The other ways you can pay for those, if you, let's say you have money sitting in the bank that you're not using, it's your emergency fund. You can actually put cash down, almost like a deposit or a single premium lump sum. So set it and forget it. You reposition that asset. It goes into a life policy or annuity, by the way, that's going to give you better leverage for long-term care. So say, for example, you put in 100000 Depending on the carrier, it might give you 300000 400000 or even unlimited benefits for long-term care. But if you don't use it, it's, again, it's still yours. It's going to go to your beneficiaries. And then some of those policies also have an exit strategy as well. You can take your cash value or whatever's left in the annuity and run. Depending on when that is will depend on how much you get back. Another one that I really, really, really like is funding a plan using qualified money. So a lot of people don't know this because, you know, you think you can't take distributions to pay for long-term care policies. You actually can. You can reposition qualified money, and I know a lot of us have a disproportionate amount of money in 401ks and things like that because that's the way we save. That's our employer's match. That's where we put our money. So you can actually reposition that, and you can leverage it tax-free for long-term care. You're never going to get out of paying Uncle Sam, so don't misunderstand me, but you can reposition, say, for example, you reposition 100000 You can move that from your right pocket to your left pocket. Then the company will take internal distributions to fund a life policy that gives you tax-free long-term care. So the distributions are taxable, but the long-term care benefits aren't. So it's a great way to use your qualified money if you don't need that for income. And if you're over 72, it can satisfy RMDs with required minimum distribution. So it's a really unique way to fund a plan. So if all you have is qualified money, don't write off buying a long-term care plan because you can do it. And then last but not least, one other way to do it is using highly appreciated non-qualified annuities. So that means after-tax dollars, let's say you put in $50,000 into an annuity, it grows to $100,000. Dave knows that if you start taking distributions, that $50,000 gain is going to be taxable. Well, the government has allowed certain life insurance and annuity contracts to be accessed while alive, tax-free for long-term care. So just by moving that from our right pocket to our left pocket, that $50,000 gain is going to come out tax-free for long-term care, and depending on the carrier, it's going to leverage better for LTC. So, for example, you put in 100, carrier A might give you 300,000 tax-free for long-term care. So, if you're not going to use that annuity for income, it's a great way to fund your long-term care plan. There are also, and I won't go into these today because I know we don't have time, but there's just regular life insurance with chronic illness riders. There's annuities with income doublers if you need care. So there, there are so many solutions. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So that's why it's really important based on your particular circumstances to meet with someone and go over the different options. I know I've seen it time and time again where people think it's a simple question. 
You know, it's like everything else. They think Medicare is a simple question. They think Social Security is a simple question. They do here, and you're right. I oftentimes have to meet with people and spend 30 minutes getting the whole picture of everything else to, again, figure out what they really need and to figure out which one of these products is going to work for them because you're right. It's not a one-size-fit-all, and there are going to be different options based upon their financial circumstances, family history, the life expectancy, all these other things that come into play as we look at it. Uh, Alicia, one other question uh, for you as we look at traditional long-term care, I guess, because most of these other products are generally, hey, you can lump sum fund them. They're going to be locked into four, six, eight years, whatever the case may be. Any recommendations for those that are buying traditional long-term care, how long they should be paying for this? Mentioned, again, I've got this client that's 87 years old, still making payments. It's going through the roof from, from a cost standpoint. You know, He's not at risk of losing the policy, but I could see where many people would be. Any recommendations to help people here? If you have a pay-as-you-go traditional long-term care plan and you find yourself in the same boat, the 87-year-old, you can't go replace those. And you still probably have the best deal out there. I would recommend for that type of circumstance, if you need to, if you're on a limited budget, I would see what the different options are to reduce the benefits. There are benefits within the policies I wouldn't recommend changing. So, uh, for example, the elimination or maybe the benefit period, depending on how long the long-term care benefits pay. Again, you need to meet with someone and, and discuss that, have someone who's a specialist go through and, and look at the different options. And if it's there's not one that you like, you can actually call the carrier up and get whatever option you want to see as long as it's reduced. Now, for new purchasers, there are really no carriers with with the exception of one where you can pay up those traditional long-term care plans. So there's one carrier that I know of, you can pay it up in 10 years. So if you have the income to pay it up in 10 years and you don't want to spend the money on an asset-based long-term care type plan, you can still get it for less because, again, renting is typically less. And at least it would be paid up after that 10 years and you wouldn't have any additional premiums to pay. But as far as, again, those existing policyholders, unfortunately, there's not a get out of free jail card on those. And you just have to hope that the carriers have you know, stabilized their rates. And if not, then, then meet with a professional so that you can decide the best course of action. I don't recommend getting rid of them because, again, the best policy you have is the, is the one that's in force when you need it. Absolutely agree with you. And as you look at the information here, this is such great advice. And I, I'm with Alicia. I love the asset-based products because there's some certainty to that. You, you can know what you're paying in. You can have some more guarantees than seeing these people that are getting in their late retirement years at the time they most need the insurance and are saying, hey, I can't pay it any longer. I'm done. I, there's no way I either eat or I, I have this insurance. And it's not a decision that we want any of you to have to go through. Alicia, I can see in the minds of our listeners, questions have been going off like crazy uh, out there. I mean, you brought up so many topics, having been an educator as long as I have. I know that there's so many questions. I'm hoping we can do a webinar with you here at some point in the future. That would be great for our listeners to be able to connect. Not going to make you uh, commit to that right now as we're going through here, but I'm really hoping we can do that because I would like a chance for our listeners to be able to ask some questions uh, during that process to get a better understanding. But without that commitment, uh, Alicia, any other comments? you'd like to make as we wrap things up here today? Uh, No, I appreciate your passion uh, for long-term care uh, like me, and I'm happy to do a webinar. So certainly we can uh, get a date on the calendar and, and we'll meet again. 
Okay, listeners, you heard it from her mouth, not mine. I try not to push people into things. Uh, I want them to have the freedom to make their own choice, but uh, definitely something we want to have happen uh, and something you guys will all enjoy because this isn't something that's going away. That's something you need to understand. It's not like, hey, we're going to go through a cycle and it's going to get better. It's only going to get worse. We've got less people providing so solutions from a traditional side, a lot of creative companies out there providing opportunities as we look to the future, but, but you've got to be aware of what's going on. On, you got to be able to make those choices. Alicia, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate being here. You've been listening to the Retirement Risk Show. Please join me again next week where I'll have another guest talking about how you can get safely through retirement. And that's today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning and you don't want to miss it. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.